The schedule, the job, the kids. Take some time just for you. It's Sunday mornings with D. Daniels on B101.5, powered by Mary Washington Healthcare, one of DC's best hospitals that isn't in DC. It's in Fredericksburg, Mary Washington Hospital. Here for you. And now D. Daniels. Good Sunday morning and welcome to the show, the show that is all about you and your life and your world. Every single Sunday we are joined by fabulous guests and it is no different this Sunday, actually welcoming a first-time guest to the Sunday show. Very excited to be joined by Dr. Stephanie Lacey. Good morning, Dr. Lacey. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing great. So nice to have you here on the Sunday show. Um, I'm very excited to talk about what you do and where you do it. As everyone probably remembers, we are a big supporter of our Children's Hospital, Children's National, and we absolutely love supporting them all year long. Tell us a little bit about uh, how you got started with Children's National. Well, I'm a pediatric cardiologist, and um, I've actually been uh, familiar with and associated with Children's National Hospital for several years. I've worked with uh, many of the pediatric cardiologists there, and they have, as you said, a fabulous reputation for taking excellent care of children. And I actually started at Children's National in October of 2019 in an official capacity as a pediatric cardiologist. Now, do you work most of the time in the Richmond area, but you're also in Fredericksburg, too, sometimes, right? I am, yes. We have a an office in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, it's a small office with one other cardiologist, and we're planning on building and extending that office as well. Uh, but I do come up to Fredericksburg at least one day a week, um, and I work there closely with the pediatricians as well as the maternal fetal medicine doctors in the area to take care of uh, anywhere, any range, age range from unborn children to uh, adults. Um, and so we have a pretty busy clinic in Fredericksburg. Yeah, we've been so excited over the uh, the last year and a half, really, to see the expansion in Fredericksburg happen. And we're so thankful to uh, so many of our listeners who have supported that and, and we're watching it happen and, and grow. So it's been really nice to see the uh, Fredericksburg location grow. And I'm sure you're you're obviously seeing that firsthand every single time you come into Fredericksburg. Absolutely. They have a beautiful new clinic uh, in Fredericksburg, and we have more and more specialties, pediatric specialties that are in the clinic um, that are coming down from Children's National. And so it's been really exciting to see everything growing so rapidly and to see the community's response and acceptance of children's in Fredericksburg. Yes, it's just very exciting. And of course, uh, as we're talking to Dr. Lacey this morning, you know, you can also donate to our Children's Hospital and support them uh, anytime throughout the year. And you can do that right now on our website at B1015.com and just type in the keyword donate and that'll take you right there to the page. You can see everything that's going on with our wonderful Children's Hospital. Now, uh, Dr. Lacey, tell me a little bit about uh, things that you are seeing right now, because, you know, here we are in warmer weather and we are also coming trying to come out of, uh, of, of COVID and, and dealing with the pandemic. And I know a lot of people are very excited to uh, get out and about and, and do, do more things and, and probably do a lot more than they did last year at this time. So I'm imagining this is a really good time to be aware of maybe what your child's limitations are or what they might already have going on. Absolutely. It's a very exciting time. Kids are finally getting back out there and getting back to 
some of their, quote, normal activities, um, which has been a long time coming. Um, but it is important to uh, monitor some children uh, prior to participation in sports. And so there's always um, some concern about how do you really screen kids prior to going back to activities. Um, and generally, we recommend that this starts with the, the family practice uh, doctor or the pediatrician's office with just a fairly routine screening. That they generally will ask the children uh, standard questions about histories of chest pain or discomfort with activity, with um, exercise. They may ask about passing out with exercise. Um, they may they may question whether or not the child has ever been evaluated by cardiology or ever been restricted from activity from cardio by a cardiologist, uh, and then those questions actually do expand to the parents as far as family history and close relatives who may have uh, passed early, less than fifty years of age, from a known cardiac abnormality. And so that's generally where we suggest people start uh, with uh, screening their children. That's a really good good uh, way to start. I think a lot of people, especially if their kids are involved in sports or, you know, maybe a, a, a team activity, I, I think, you know, there's always that, um, you know, concern going in. But I feel like this year it's a bigger concern. And, and certainly, you know, with COVID being in the mix, um, you know, you, you're worried about that. And I know a lot of, of people are going to be uh, having their kids uh, get the vaccine. And so you've got that in there as well. And then you'll have an evaluation probably with your doctor for any sort of team activity, because that's usually required. But I think when you throw in the mix, uh, you know, with all of that, you know, that maybe your child is overweight, or maybe they could be dealing with some issues like uh, blood pressure issues that you never thought that they were dealing with before, that could be a little, that could be a little different this year. Absolutely. Uh, certainly COVID has kind of thrown a monkey wrench in things, and we are still learning, but we've learned a lot about how COVID um, affects children and some of the long-term effects of COVID. Um, you know, going back, I think there's kind of two parts of that question. Um, one is the, you know, sort of the everyday things that, that we um, handle in pediatrics uh, as far as childhood obesity and high blood pressure and those sorts of those sorts of problems, and I think that uh, the pediatricians and the family practice physicians do a really excellent job of kind of uh, not only taking care of those patients but also referring them to cardiology when uh, they they feel as though they need a little bit of, uh, more expertise in, in taking care of those patients. Um, but when we talk about COVID, it gets into a, a completely uh, another whole topic. Um, of conversation. I think fortunately what we know at this point in time is that when children are infected with COVID-19, general, generally the vast majority of those children tolerate it very well. Um, it tends to be low-grade fever, some muscle aches, um, and uh, some fatigue, for a few days, and then and then typically it resolves very nicely, um, as a, a typical cold might. Um, we do have that small percentage of children who become more severely affected with COVID and have some more long-term complications, and we can certainly uh, get into those a little bit as well. 
Um, but I would say that by and large, the children who are affected with COVID and have that fairly mild course for their home um, for a few days and then they're right back to their regular daily activities are very well uh, treated and um, uh, with their, by their pediatrician or their family practice physician. Dr. Lacey from Children's National, my guest on the Sunday show this week, and we're talking about uh, the kids getting out and about, maybe getting involved in sports as here we are in warmer weather and also uh, trying to get back to some sense of normalcy or maybe a new normal um, with COVID and after COVID, whatever stage you are in uh, in that process. Um, Dr. Lacey, you really are... Uh, you you really do focus so much of your attention on maybe a, a more serious issue um, with cardiology, and I feel like you know when when the kids are getting you know involved in and maybe sports that they've never been involved in, um, maybe this is new for them you know this year, maybe they're trying something new, and maybe they do go ahead with that evaluation with their their family doctor. What if there is something that is spotted that is more serious? What does that process look like? And, and what, are, what are your suggestions for parents as far as, you know, maybe their kids are, are, are flagged for a blood pressure issue or, or something more serious? How does, how, what's the process go from, from after sort of, you know, that first initial uh, with the family doctor that says, okay, we should, we should, you know, get into a little more serious analysis with this. What, what, are, what happens after that? Uh, so that's a great question. So generally, uh, as far as just the process goes, their their primary doctor will refer them to cardiology. Um, and the first suggest- suggestion that I would give to parents is try not to panic and try not to start Googling. Right. Um, because <laughs> by and large, most children are going to be okay and are going to be able to participate in their activities normally as they previously did. Um, and so that would be my first, my first um, <laughs> point of advice. As a parent, I know that you can definitely go off the deep end with some things. And so we're here to help kind of reassure, but also to make sure that those children are safe to participate in activities of their choosing. Um, the general cardiology workup is likely to include some testing, including an EKG, which looks at the heart rhythm and also um, can determine some other signs of abnormalities of the heart. Sometimes uh, some of the symptoms will um, uh, require an echocardiogram, which is an ultrasound of the heart. Both of these tests are what we call non-invasive. They are painless um, and, and can be done in the office during the office visit. And so quite frequently after obtaining a history and, um, and a physical exam on a, on a child, we may go ahead with those, one of those two tests. Um, depending on the findings and depending on the specific symptoms of the child, we'll then gauge whether or not additional testing needs to be performed. Yeah, I think that um, that's a really great information because I think that, you know, you know, you're right. Parents can get really overwhelmed. Um, and uh, yeah, as as a, a parent as well, I I know better. We we cannot Google. Uh, that is a bad thing mm-hmm. uh, because it will. It will take you down a tunnel, no doubt about it. And, and your anxiety level will go, you know, through the roof. So I think that's really important because, you know, even in just explaining what those uh, what those tests would involve and that they're you know, non-invasive test and, and their painless test. I think that's very helpful when you're dealing with your child who, you know, obviously wants to do something new this year or wants to get involved in in something new, maybe a new 
new sport uh, or a new team activity and, you know, you've got some fear around that where you're like, oh, well, you know, you know, you have a red flag with something with the family doctor and all of a sudden you're like, well, they can't do any of that. That's not necessarily the case is what you're saying. You know, don't don't go down that tunnel too far. That's right. You know, I think that as as a parent, the thing that we worry about the most, um, they're the scariest things, right? So every year when we start back into sports seasons, we hear about a sudden death incident where Mm -hmm. there is a child who's a previously healthy child and they go down on the basketball court or on the football field and they need to be resuscitated. And I think that that is at a baseline, kind of bottom line, every parent's true fear. Yeah. What if I'm missing something? And what if my kid has something and I don't know? Um, so I think that's really important to address. It's something that I generally do address in um, in the office. Uh, it's not something anybody wants to talk about, but it's kind of that elephant in the room. Yeah. And so um, I do bring that up with families. Fortunately, sudden death in children or adolescents is very, very rare. Um, we have an estimated incidence, which is a huge range of 1 in 75,000 to 1 in 300,000 oh, wow. um, children. So it is kind of a huge range, but also um, still very rare. We do know that it primarily affects males, um, adolescents, and um, typically basketball and football players are more highly affected, and really for unclear reasons. Um, but those, um, again, some of those abnormalities can be difficult to detect. But again, if we go back to kind of our primary questionnaire, are we having um, children who are having severe chest pain with activity? Are they passing out with activity? Do they have a close relative who has died um, in an unexplained manner that seems to be uh, due to the heart? Things like that can sometimes trigger um, these workups. And really getting ahead of these things early when you know that kind of history, that seems like uh, you're going to be going in a much better direction with your doctor uh, to have all of this information going in very early. Absolutely. You know, and I think just kind of tying that into our present day um, situation with COVID, we have so many patients who have been diagnosed with COVID and parents are asking, well, we had a COVID diagnosis, so do I, do I need to be seeing a cardiologist before my child goes back to activities? Um, and I think that that's, again, a very valid question. Generally, again, most kids tolerate COVID just fine, and uh, it's a, somewhat of a brief, mild illness, uh, and then it resolves. Those children that are not hospitalized and tolerate it fine and resolve quickly do not need to be seen by a cardiologist unless they are having some of the symptoms that we previously talked about that would be flagged. Um, the children that become a little bit more sick with COVID that require hospitalization or are diagnosed with this multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children, or MISC, are the children that we really need to make sure are seen by cardiology and screened appropriately prior to being released back into activities. 
My guest on the Sunday show is Dr. Lacey from Children's National Hospital. Really great information. And I want to remind you that you can support our Children's Hospital uh, right on our website. Very easy to do at B1015.com, keyword donate. We love raising money for the Children's Hospital and all of the wonderful things they are doing all throughout the year. B1015.com, keyword donate. We're going to have more with Dr. Lacey. We're going to talk more about uh, the, the situation with COVID and kids dealing with COVID and how that can affect the the future lookout, you know, as far as uh, what kids are doing this summer and what they're doing for the new school year and how that all looks. We're going to have more with Dr. Lacey coming up after this quick break. The journey to pregnancy is different for everyone. Whether your journey to motherhood is a breeze or requires advanced treatment options, Mary Washington Healthcare delivers personalized care for you and your baby with our obstetrics and gynecologic and maternal fetal medicine practices. Our partnership with Children's National Hospital and specialty certified staff in the region's only Level 3 NICU means we are equipped to care for even the smallest miracle. Learn more at mybaby.mwhc.com. Now back to Sunday Mornings with D. Daniels on B101.5. Good Sunday morning. Welcome back to the show. Dr. Lacey is my guest on the Sunday show this week, and she is with Children's National Hospital. We are talking about uh, kids and how kids are dealing with the uh, what's happening now, this new normal as we're getting into warmer weather and what's happening after COVID. And of course, uh, we're looking at the school year. We're looking at so many things, and we wanted to have a wonderful expert on the show. And it is uh, my pleasure to have Dr. Lacey on the Sunday show this week. Um, Dr. Lacey, before the break, we were talking a little bit about COVID and uh, kids that have maybe had a COVID diagnosis and that might might be getting into a new sports routine or a new sports team situation for the new school year later on this year. And I think really important stuff to talk about. Um, first, I, I wonder how the, the COVID pandemic has really uh, reshaped what you specifically do as a cardiologist with uh, Children's National. How has that how how has that reshaped the landscape of what your day to day has looked like? Yes, it, we've gone through quite a few changes um, actually with our practice. You know, initially, as with the rest of the country and, and the world, everything shut down, um, and including our office, and that was really for a brief period of time because there's a huge need uh, for pediatric cardiology, uh, and so we were only shut down for a week or so. Um, we very quickly expanded our telemedicine program with not only pediatric cardiology, but uh, many of the pediatric subspecialties that, that Children's National um, uh, has. And so that has become very, very helpful. Uh, in general, with pediatric cardiology, we need to do one-on-one testing um, in the form of, uh, for example, an EKG or an echocardiogram. And so it makes it very difficult to do those tests via telemedicine. So we need to see those patients in person. Um, we, we've done that and successfully opened our offices back up using appropriate PPE and limiting the amount of um, visitors that can come to the office and people in the office as well. And that has worked out Great. It has um, been very helpful, and we have not really had any problems with reopening our offices in that way. I really have been so I've I've just been so impressed with how Children's National has handled um, everything since the beginning of this complete 
crisis and, and and really just being on the front line of of all of it, not only with research, but also with getting the first walk up testing site going for children as well. And and then with the vaccines and, and being able to just work all of this in such a an organized fashion, uh, it really just it shows the expertise of, of Children's National so, so much. I, I, I think one of the things that it was just so interesting, even, you know, being on the media end of things, you know, we, we got to sort of see pictures from hospitals and, and we got to see things uh, that everybody else saw on the news. And, and, and you really, I think sometimes you, you didn't get a, an up close, really a good picture sometimes, you know, that was like, okay, well, this is happening in another state or this is happening somewhere else. What was it like with uh, kids coming in that were being diagnosed with COVID? Like as a cardiologist, did you... Were you referred with every child that came in with COVID or did it get to a certain point if they had certain things going on, then they saw the cardiologist? How did that process go when a child came in and had a positive COVID diagnosis? Yes. Well, uh, fantastic question. So we had a very steep learning curve when COVID hit uh, back in March um, of 2020. And uh, at that point in time, we didn't know that COVID, how COVID can impact children. Uh, and we didn't know that the vast majority of children have very mild illnesses, but that there is this um, subset, small subset of children who can have uh, uh more severe illness associated with COVID, and then uh, illness following the COVID infection or following a COVID exposure um, up to four weeks after that exposure, which can be a uh, systemic inflammatory response. And so um, children started seeing some of these patients who were very sick um, and very quickly, um, as early as April and May, developed task force forces to um, outline how to treat these patients, how to work them up, and and what we can use, what has been used to treat or um, decrease the the symptoms, um, and what things weren't working. And so that was really helpful. Uh, Children's was was right on top of that uh, research and actually saw um, many of the patients who were diagnosed with this multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children and have been uh, key in developing some of these um, uh, treatment plans. It really is just so amazing to uh, hear about how, how quickly you guys can respond to this and come up with a, a plan that not only is a plan for whatever location you're at, but but then it's you guys can collaborate with all of the children's locations and and just come up with a plan that says, okay, this is working for us. Uh, how how does that work on the fly? I mean, you guys are not you know with each other in the same location. I'm sure you're you're getting on uh, you know Zoom or get, or talking to each other and saying this is what we're doing. How does that team to team, location to location, uh, quick thinking plan and uh, you know work out where you're able to implement that just like across the board? Yes. So um, well, I am primarily located in Richmond. And as I said before, I'm in Fredericksburg one day a week. But the vast majority of the Children's National Team is located in and around Washington, D.C., Maryland, Northern Virginia area. And so they, again, very quickly um, identified a task force for COVID um, with pediatric cardiology. And they started doing uh, weekly um 
basically our weekly Zoom meetings um, to update us on what is happening, what, how many children have we had admitted, what were, the, what were the characteristics of those children. In addition to, are we seeing spread among staff? Are we seeing um, other effects of COVID? Obviously, it, it affected everybody um, down to the individual person. So uh, we were able to communicate pretty rapidly. Um, what was really interesting is that when um, – the, these patients diagnosed with MISC were uh, being identified in Washington, D.C. at Children's National. We weren't seeing as many of those patients down in Richmond. Right. It was a little bit of a later effect. And so it was really interesting that um, it, it, we're, we're, only, we're only two hours apart, but we are um, very different as far as some of those um, effects and community responses. And so uh, it was very helpful to be able to be plugged into this team and to this task force and to hear exactly up-to-date things, what was happening, and, and how we could approach that. Um, and we now have outlines for return to play after COVID infection and when to, you know, admit a patient and here's your treatment protocol. And um, it's very organized and very um, uh backed in science at this point in time and what science that we have. Yeah, I'm just I'm always so impressed with it and and how it all works together um you know for the for every community and and you're right it was so different. The numbers were so different in Northern Virginia and DC and compared to Fredericksburg even and then even more so to Richmond. So I'm sure that you know you were able to see that firsthand and I, I can imagine how um helpful that was to be able to be a part of that uh research and and that science uh, on on a on an immediate basis as it was happening. Um, and again, I want to remind everybody, when you donate to the Children's Hospital, you are a part of that research and a part of making all of that happen um, in in such a fashion. So we are so proud to support our Children's Hospital. And, and you can do that uh, as we're talking to Dr. Lacey on our website at B1015.com, keyword donate. You brought up um, an important point that I, I wanted to chat about here before we run out of time. And kids returning back to activity activity maybe after they've had uh, a COVID diagnosis. I know it's different for everyone, so I, I'm sure you can't just give me a blanket answer on this, but how how long should uh, parents wait before they say, yes, let's, let's have our kids get involved in sports, you know, even though they had a COVID di- diagnosis, let's say in, in March or April of this year, what does that look like? Um, should, should they wait a certain time or is it really just up to that evaluation checklist process and, and what that brings about? Well, a lot of it does go back to that checklist process. You're right. Um, you know, if a child, we kind of have these different tiers. So if a child is infected, recovers nicely, does not require hospitalization, and is back to their baseline and not complaining of any significant issues while they're exercising, meaning that they go through that checklist with their, their pediatrician and they're cleared, um, then there is no need for further evaluation by cardiology. Um, I would say that the children who are hospitalized with COVID um, and or MISC definitely need to be followed and uh, cleared by a cardiologist prior to going back to activities. 
Um, then we have the kids in the middle who maybe went to the emergency room, who, who were pretty sick but weren't necessarily hospitalized. Um, and again, I think it depends somewhat on symptoms. We do have some children, some teenagers, who, who go on to develop some prolonged fatigue, dizziness, um, feelings of heart racing, things like that. And they're just not, they may not be febrile and they may be somewhat back to their daily routine, but they might not be back to their typical baseline. I think those are also kids that uh, it is appropriate to send them to cardiology to ensure that there isn't any underlying effect from the COVID infection that perhaps was just more subtle than the children who needed to be admitted. I think bottom line is when, uh, if there is any physician or any parent for that matter who feels as though either they have that nagging feeling that something's not right or that, you know what, I just want to make sure this is okay. It's probably fine, but I just want to make sure. Come and see us. We're happy to to just give that reassurance that, yes, this is okay. Um, the heart was not affected, and your child is safe to participate in any activity, whether it's one they've been doing for 10 years or a brand-new one that they're just starting out with. Yeah, and I think just even having that green light um, after, you know, having an evaluation can certainly be helpful, not only to the child, but definitely to the parent uh, when you're, you know, worried about how things are going to go. I also wanted to ask you about, because you see patients of all age ranges, you were mentioning at the uh, top of the show, um, what was the youngest patient that you you saw with uh, COVID-related symptoms and the younger the patient, I would imagine uh, a little more of a serious evaluation probably happens um, when we're talking about babies or, or what what was the age range for, for you dealing with some of the uh, COVID related uh, symptoms with younger patients? Yes, I think um, in Richmond, based on my recollection, I know that we did have a baby that was about six months old who was admitted with um, a COVID infection and symptoms of MISC. Um, and that was the youngest that I personally saw. Um, again, we now have we now have some treatments, um, including steroids and something called IVIG that can be very helpful, as well as some some other um, immune modulating uh, medications that can be helpful for treatment with COVID. So the the baby went home and did quite well, but he was sick enough to be in the hospital for several days. Right. Yeah, it's it's so interesting, it, you know, how different, you know, people and different age ranges, the, everyone is just, is just so different with COVID and how and how that went um, and is still going. As far as the uh, the vaccinations go, I know things are are starting to open up and all of us are, are starting to feel a little light at the end of the tunnel. Are you also feeling some light at the end of the tunnel as far as kids dealing with COVID and, and moving forward from this? Absolutely. I th- I'm so relieved that the vaccinations are uh, progressing as they are and that we now uh, very soon will have approval for 16 years of age and older. Um, and I'm hopeful, you know, that they will continue with that research so that we can get all children and, and everybody vaccinated. I do think that that is going to make a huge difference. And, um, you know, again, even though some of these uh, complications from COVID are very rare, the kids that get sick get really, really sick. And um, so it will be nice to have at least another tool in our toolbox to help fight this pandemic and to get people back out there and back out to kind of uh, more normal 
uh, life. Yeah, and and living life, uh, and not hopefully not being as scared uh, as we've been as, as we have progressed so much uh, since the beginning of this, and so much of that has to do with research and science and doctors like you, Doctor Lacey. So thank you very much for what you do. I know you guys have been on the front line of all of it, um, and we just appreciate you and your expertise being available at our Children's Hospital right here in our backyard, not only in the D.C. Northern Virginia area, but so many great locations for children's. Uh, national that you can get to wherever you are in the Richmond area and the Fredericksburg area uh, and in between so many great locations so we just appreciate so much everything that you guys do at Children's National and uh, just how on top of it you are we we uh, we we are so relieved that you are here for us in our community thank you Dee and thank you so much for having me today Your emails are always welcome. If you have questions or comments about today's show or an idea for a future program, email D, that's D-E-E, at B1015.com. Sunday Mornings with D is powered by Mary Washington Healthcare, one of D.C.'s best hospitals that isn't in D.C. It's in Fredericksburg, Mary Washington Hospital, here for you. The thoughts, comments, statements, and opinions of the host and guest are their own, and not necessarily those of Centennial Broadcasting, B101.5, or Station Management. Thanks for listening to Sunday Mornings with D. Daniels on B101.5. The journey to pregnancy is different for everyone. Whether your journey to motherhood is a breeze or requires advanced treatment options, Mary Washington Healthcare delivers personalized care for you and your baby with our obstetrics and gynecologic and maternal fetal medicine practices. Our partnership with Children's National Hospital and specialty certified staff in the region's only Level 3 NICU means we are equipped to care for even the smallest miracle. Learn more at mybaby.mwhc.com.